When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So another update on the coronavirus, and we're going to dive right in today, and, and we're going to pretty much stick to that topic, uh, you know, for the 10 or 15 minutes or however long I go today. Uh, and, and I want to actually start off with an article that actually kind of showed up in one of my suggested feeds on my phone, uh, which which certainly, I guess, makes this coronavirus a little bit more real, it hits a little bit closer to home for me. Um, now, the title of this article, this is from the Duluth News Tribune. For my longtime listeners, you guys know I'm a Duluth native, northern Minnesota. It's where I live and, and continues to be the case. But for those of you who don't know, well, yeah, that's that's where I live. So um, this article is from the Duluth News Tribune. It's titled, Patient at Essentia Cleared After Coronavirus Check. So, whew, you know, close call, right? Uh, it says here, uh, patient evaluated at the Essentia Health, it's our largest hospital, St. Mary's Medical Center in Duluth, was quickly cleared of the possibility of having contracted the novel coronavirus, a hospital spokesman said. The patient arrived in the hospital's emergency room with respiratory illness after traveling to and from China. Essentia spokesperson Louis St. George III said Tuesday, hospital personnel consulted with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, and determined that the patient did not meet the guidelines that would require testing for the disease. (laughs) Wait a second here. Okay, so we have this basically a patient that had recently traveled to China came in for respiratory-like symptoms, and was cleared. Great, that's the positive headline here. But they weren't even tested. Now, I they didn't meet the screening and testing guidelines for the CDC. So maybe they went to China in, like, October, and, and maybe they were fine, right? That's one possibility. They, they don't give a ton of information about this individual, right? Uh, maybe... They had a positive test for influenza or strep or or some other viral drug. Although, I mean, you'd still think, you know, it, they would have mentioned that, right? Positive test for something else. But no, that it maybe, I mean, considering what we know about the the COVID-19, this new novel coronavirus, it's it can be very variable in terms of, of the symptoms and how they present and and can, you know the the onset and the incubation period and and for some it's very acute and severe and for others it's a cough it's sniffles it's maybe like a a, a flu which is you know just a plain plain old influenza like symptoms are you know not that big of a deal in the whole scheme of things compared to full blown pneumonia or sepsis or whatever else so I mean what was a this is this is disconcerting more than anything else and again maybe there's just a key piece of information here that was like okay yeah that makes sense that that's why they weren't tested and and why would we test them but gosh and you wonder you know going on to another article across the country here this one from San Diego um titled this is from uh, 10 ABC 10 news in San Diego Titled, Mislabeled Sample Led to Release of San Diego 
San Diego, however you say it, coronavirus patient. Uh, quote, an evacuee who tested, who tested positive for the coronavirus in San Diego was mistakenly released back into the quarantine, into quarantine because their test sample was mislabeled. Continuing, four evacuees were brought from MCAS Miramir to UC San Diego Medical Center and provided samples for testing within the last three weeks. Three of those four samples were not labeled in compliance with the same regulations between UC San Diego Health and the CDC, according to a CDC spokesperson. Because of this, when the samples were brought to the CDC in Atlanta, three of them were not immediately processed. Right, and It goes on to basically say that uh, they were labeled negative, but they weren't actually tested, right? And so, I mean, you wonder with those types of what we know, which again is limited, about this COVID-19, along with these mishaps, why not just run the test anyways? And again, maybe we're missing a piece of information. But but anyways, you know, who cares about Duluth, Minnesota? Look on the broader scale. This uh, continues to be a huge, you know, pandemic risk. In fact, you know, one of the top guys that I've been following on on Twitter, you know, I do try to follow scientists, doctors, etc. Um, you know, for instance, on YouTube, my two big channels that have kind of been my mainstay is, is you know, Dr. Chris Martinson from Pre- Peak Prosperity. Uh, and then the other one is the, uh, you know, Dr. John Campbell, right? Um, another one on Twitter is is Dr. to find his name, um, Dr. Eric Dingfeigel or Feigelding, isn't it? It's it's an Asian name, okay, uh, so so we won't poke fun at it. But um, it, it, he's been really a great source, you know, all, all things considered. Uh, a skeptic, right, all along the way, and also a very knowledgeable person, not just some Joe Schmo like me off the street, you know, talking like he like I pretend to know anything about virology or epidemiology, you know. Uh, I certainly don't hold a degree in any of that, right. And, and he, you know, he's talking about this, you know, doctor, you know, or professor Neil Ferguson over at the, uh, you know, Imperial College in, in, in England, who has been very vocal about how the fact that this is very well could be in the early stages of a global pandemic, not in the sense that, oh, it might make its way out of China. It's that it's, it definitely has in far larger quantities than we realize, and we just haven't caught those cases yet. And it's, I, I've been saying that for a while, and I'm not taking credit for the idea, but I think that's totally accurate. You know, he said, I think something along the lines of maybe only one in three cases in the UK have actually been been caught or actually being caught, right? And so, you know, maybe we're in double digits uh, in terms of caught cases in the UK. That means we're in double digits, at least, of cases that, that haven't been caught. I don't know the exact case count yet for, for the UK. That is, well, that's a lot of people at this stage in the game, considering how contagious how transmissive this virus actually is. Now, I want to go back to a tweet that I tweeted out uh, quite a while ago. It's, what, February 12th today. This was back on January 27th, okay? And, and hey, hey, I don't get a whole lot uh, of love on Twitter. I got all three likes and, and, and one reply um, who actually noted, you know, Silver's not doing anything despite all this, the price, and, and yeah, it's... Still sort of the case, but anyways, uh, quoting myself here, uh, next phase of this hashtag coronavirus, and I have these kind of bullet points or, or line items here, increased skepticism of Chinese numbers, pressured by some, not the WHO or the CDC, etc., for increased transparency. So maybe the WHO and the CDC haven't made that push yet, but others certainly have. Focus on the situation in the ground in China and leaked info, as opposed to you know their 
their official statements and their official number, numbers. And finally, hyper-focus on international cases. In parentheses, I think most cases will be init- missed initially. Moving forward to a tweet from, uh, I think, less than 24 hours ago from when I'm recording this. This is uh, from, from Eric Townsend, right? Our friend, I don't know the guy, but but it'd be cool if I did, over on uh, Macro Voices. Uh, Macro Voices, the, the podcast, uh, uh, financial podcast, right? Which I'm sure many of you guys may listen to on a regular basis. Anyways, he's, he's, he retweets himself here from the 1st of February, so a couple days after me. And, and this is, you know, this is, uh, 20, this is the 11th of February. He's tweeting here. I predicted that we would enter a data blackout where hashtag coronavirus data coming from China would appear to indicate the situation is improving. I predicted this before it happened. This trend, uh, this tread, trend, tread is, is how you typed it, explained that we should not believe the situation is really getting better. And so I want to read you quickly through this thread, which is a full, I think, 11 tweets here. And, and kind of give you an idea of what he's saying here. All the way back on the 1st of February. I think he's spot on. Prediction. Hashtag 2019 NCOV infection rate will fall off prior exponential trajectory being tracked by at Chris Martinson and at Bianco Research, creating a sense of relief that the crisis probably isn't as bad as it first looked. This thread details why that will be a false signal. The exponential progression in which the case count was increasing by 25 to 40% per day may continue, but reported case count from China will be much lower. Reason, if the real case count continues to grow on prior trajectory, China medical facilities will turn most new cases away. Facilities are overwhelmed and can't handle new cases. This will create the appearance of the situation improving and make prior exponential growth projections look wrong. In reality, all it means is the situation in China is so bad, the data are useless. The solution is for observers to start focusing exclusively on excluding China, ex-China data, where reporting is more trustworthy. This will allow careful monitoring of case and death death toll trajectory independent of Chinese government distortion, much cleaner data, but mo, more importantly, this approach will also eliminate distortions caused by prior flaws in Chinese reporting, and perhaps even more importantly, this overcome, overcomes, quote, but there have been no deaths outside China, objection. We need to start tracking the excluding China data set as a new cleaner source of data for measuring what this epidemic will mean to the rest of the world, excluding China. But we haven't yet gotten past the, quote, inflection point in the knee curve. Excluding China death toll won't be relevant until it starts to grow to meaningful values on its own. So we're about to enter a data blackout period. Chinese data will rapidly decay to zero statistical value because it will be so distorted by systems being overwhelmed in China that the data becomes useless. Meanwhile, excluding China data set isn't yet big enough to be meaningful. So what do we do? Answer is start focusing primarily on ex-China data. For a while, that will mean looking at a very small case count and trivially small death toll. I think, by the way, this is me talking here, we have one, I think, in the Philippines confirmed. Now, who knows how many it actually is in places like Africa, India, Southeast Asia, uh, um, Indonesia, etc. Anyways, continuing. And feeling tempted to think, quote, no big deal. What is absolutely critical is that we measure in terms of exponential trajectory, not in terms of how significant the early values are. 
Example, suppose you see reports of death tolls that grow from 1 to 2 to 4. Human nature is to think that those are very small numbers and nothing to worry about, but to a trained eye, 1 to 2 to 4 is a scary set because it shows a 100% per period exponential trajectory. A trained observer knows that in just a few more periods, the figures will be 8,192, 16,384, 32,768, 65,536. The point is, folks, on the exponential trajectory. The key is to anticipate that China data are about to become meaningless and that ex-China data are expected to stay small in absolute terms for another few weeks. During this data blackout, we need to focus on trajectory, not magnitude of ex-China data values end thread. So I know that was lengthy. I know that was long. But I think Eric is spot on. And, and this is something I'd love to see from more you know, doctors, even. People that have a, a real voice on this topic. Not that Eric doesn't. He's a smart guy, especially in investment stuff. But he, I think he's spot on on this epidemiology stuff, too. However, he doesn't have a doctorate or PhD or what have you in pathology or epidemiology or virology or anything like that. Does it take away from his opinion or mine? To, to some extent, but, but most importantly, it means that what he's saying here, uh, well, it, it, you know, I'll go to the top here. His tweet today, uh, let's see, this initial tweet, I don't know how the other one's along the way, but the initial one got all of 82 retweets, 235 likes. You know, I retweeted him today and he got 44 retweets so far. That's, that's a tiny impact right? I'm talking somebody that has a real voice on this, like the people that are sounding the alarm, like Neil Ferguson or this doctor. Um, I'll get his real name here. And I feel like I'm, I'm let's see here, Eric Feigelding. Um, you know, people like him or even Chris Martinson or John Campbell or whoever it is, right? Other than you know, just the CDC and the who. They'll come around eventually, but, but far, far too late. And, and it really doesn't count at that point as far as I'm considered. As far as I, I'm concerned. So, I think Eric is spot on on this. It's just a matter of time before this data set grows. And I do think we need to hyper-focus on this data set outside of China. Right? That's going to give us a truer sense of this impact in terms of cases, in terms of deaths, in terms of the you know long-term trajectory of this pandemic. So... Once again, thanks guys for tuning into today's podcast. We'll see what holds, what tomorrow holds in store for us. More coronavirus or something else. But, but as always, let me know down below in the comment section or shoot me an email at, at w23matt at gmail.com and let me know what you would like to hear. A few thoughts on, on today's podcast. And God bless.